But with 90K per year in disposable income, and I guess I should say investable income, this couple can retire in a year and a half, just buying duplex after duplex after duplex after duplex. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Financial Independence Show, where today we're going to be talking about different speeds to financial independence. Justin and I picked three scenarios each, and we're hoping one of these scenarios will resonate with you. But before we get to all that, let me check in with Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yeah, this weekend was uh, not really what I expected it to be, not really what we planned. I mean, we didn't plan to go anywhere, but we didn't plan for it to look exactly how it did. Um, but I guess kind of those like life hands you lemons type things, right? So our insurance on our cars had gotten canceled without us even knowing it. Our agent, you know, isn't around until Monday. And I tried to call the phone number and, and talk to folks online, which was like a terrible experience. And in the end, I just didn't feel comfortable with anything they were telling me. And I wanted to wait until my agent was back online Monday. So it's like, well, we can't drive our cars. Like, I don't feel comfortable with us hopping in the car and going anywhere, thinking about, like, you know, the possibility of having a wreck. So, we were bicycles only. Luckily, we both got electric bikes, but our gym had the grand reopening. And so, we did that. We spent a few hours there getting samples from different places, meeting different folks in a similar niche in the local community, whether, you know, different fitness, nutrition, that sort of thing. So, that was good. And then we did this pergola project. I know I've showed you the pictures. I'm stoked with how it came out. I can't wait to post pictures on the Facebook group. Uh, we had this pergola in the in the backyard that was okay. You know, it was kind of weathered. It was okay. And now we've turned it into this really, I think, like a feature piece. And as we're closing in on getting those last few things done so we can start airbnb in this thing, I really think it's going to help the house like pop in the pictures and give people that kind of Instagrammable kind of location within the house. And then Sunday, um, you know, we'd plan on doing some other things and had kind of like a little family emergency. And so I had to stay local, but it's been a local weekend, but we got a lot of stuff done, felt very accomplished. And uh, yeah, just kind of another one of those weekends where it reminds you, even when you're not traveling across the world, it can still be rewarding. So how about you, Cody? Yeah. I mean, what I love about your weekend is you had this kind of crazy, scary thing happen to you. Like you don't have car insurance. So you guys are kind of forced to take the bikes everywhere, but you made it into something fun. Like you go and meet new people, you're doing fitness classes. I think that's kind of what financial independence and just that mindset is all about, like making the best of not so good situations. And, and I even forgot that we tried the public transportation for the first time. We took the bus <laughs> from our house downtown and it actually wasn't bad at all. I was like, we need to do this more often. Even when we, it was like 30 minutes, a dollar 25 each, uh, you know, so straight shot. And uh, yeah, so now we know that's that. not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, for me, I also had a local weekend not traveling. I am traveling this week. I'm going down to Savannah, Georgia, but we can talk about that in next week's recap. But on Friday, there's this big fair in Massachusetts called the Big E. And it's in Springfield. I think it's it's probably the biggest or one of the biggest ones in Massachusetts. It's like all these different vendors and these rides. And so we get to try a bunch of different beers and food trucks and walked around and like there's like farm animals in the barns. And it's just a whole experience. If you haven't been to something like that, definitely go check something out if your state has it. So did that on Friday. Then on Saturday, there was this Oktoberfest, not the big awesome one in Germany, but it was a local one at this brewery called Wachusett, or Wachusett Mountain, I should say. It's a ski mountain. 
And so we went there. It's a bunch of, again, kind of similar to the Big E, except on a much smaller scale, a bunch of food trucks and beer trucks and a lot of like local artisans making candles and all these little trinkets. And it's on a ski mountain too. So we got to ride up on the ski lift and ride back down. It is pretty cold in Massachusetts. So we kind of regretted that decision as, as we started going and the wind is whipping on our faces and it's like 48 degrees out and partly cloudy. Wasn't the best, but it was, it was a super fun time. Got to hang out with some good friends and hang out with more friends later that night. And then on Sunday, it was a, a football Sunday. But that's enough about our weekends, Justin. Let's get into the episode for today, the speeds of financial independence. This is one that we were super excited to record. We did a lot of preliminary research for this one. And so basically, in a nutshell, you'll hear in the episode, but Justin and I chose three different archetypes. And we had kind of chose like, okay, this person is working a W-2 job. They're single. They have kids or they're dual income entrepreneurs without kids, like all these different scenarios, because we're just hoping that one of these hits home with you. We're hoping that whoever's listening to this right now, like you're going to really resonate with one of these characters that Justin and I created. Or hopefully if one of these characters really reminds you of like a friend or a family member who you've always been trying to teach them about financial independence, but they're like, oh, that's not for me. Like it's not possible in my situation. Hopefully one of the situations that Justin and I outlined in this episode can be the perfect situation for you to share this episode with them and for them to kind of finally, quote unquote, get it. Definitely echoing a lot of the things you're just saying there, Cody, as far as why we're excited about putting out this episode and what we did going into it. We really wanted to make this super believable. We wanted to, you know, I think I kind of kept going down like more granularity, more granularity, because I really want people to be able to hear these different scenarios and think, this is realistic. This is me. It's not sugarcoating it. This is not some kind of hand waving, get rich quick scheme, unrealistic expectation. This is the real deal. This is exactly the numbers and how this would work. And it's so close to my life now I can actually envision doing it. So I'm very excited about this episode. And we hope that you like this episode. And we hope that maybe there's someone in your life who you'd love to share this with. And the easiest way to do that is just to send them to the show.com slash speed. That's the show.com slash speed. Now let's take it away. All right. So on today's episode of The Fi Show, we're going to be going over the different speeds to financial independence. Justin and I are going to lay out six unique scenarios. Some of them are modeled off of ourselves and people we know. And we're just going to kind of map out and show you real life examples of how long it could possibly take you to reach financial independence with various different methods in various different cities, various different expenses. Like we're trying to cover every base we possibly can. So just to lay some ground rules, we are starting today, we're pretending you have $0 saved or invested, and we're seeing how fast you can hit financial independence with a certain strategy. We're assuming that the stock market is going to perform how it's performed for the past 100 years, and we're going to assume an 8% return. So when we're talking about, you know, the portfolio has increased by this much over this period of time, we're assuming an 8% annual compound return. And also just for convenience sake, we're going to assume that expenses increase with income. So, you know, of course, someone who's 25 years old is probably going to be making more when they're 35 years old, if they continue to advance in their career. But just so we're not like, okay, in year three, their salary jumped by $7,000 and then by $15,000 and then by, you know, $25,000 in year seven, it's just going to be too hard for the math and for people to follow along. So just for sake of example, we're going to assume that expenses and income rise together. Justin, you want to kick this thing off and we'll start with scenario one? Sure thing. Uh, With the first example, I actually tried to do something a little more similar to maybe a lot of the folks like I grew up around, right? So I picked kind of like a North Mississippi typical family that we might see. And so what I picked was a single income earner in a low cost of living area like North Mississippi. I'm saying that this person makes $65,000 pre-tax. I want to say they've got a 401k at work that matches up to $4,000. So that's bringing their 
income total up, like their investing kind of potential. And then with that now, you know, I start trying to think about this person and their expenses. And again, I'm trying to think specifically for me, like I like, I love this uh, scenarios that we're doing. So I'm trying to think like realistic, putting my feet in this person's shoes. And so I'm saying they have no car payment. Like this is someone who, you know, probably bought a five or $6,000 car. They don't have a car payment. They also don't have any childcare expenses because between a spouse or family, I mean, if you're still there in, if you grew up in Mississippi and you're still there, there's a high likelihood that aunts, uncles, you know, grandparents, somebody can watch you. And that's my experience growing up. So I felt like that was fair. I even tried to think about like a mortgage, you know, what would that be? Let's say they bought their house five or six years ago and a $95,000 home in Mississippi and in North Mississippi is actually a nice home. It's not crazy to buy a house for 95,000, a house next to my mom sold for 50,000 just like two years ago. I mean, it needed some work, but like, this is not a crazy number. And so that comes out to like a $650 mortgage all said and done, even with no payment, PMI, all that good stuff. I'm saying these folks spend, you know, 150 bucks a month on gas, 450 bucks a month on groceries to feed four people. They've got 300 bucks a month for just kind of random entertainment movies, things like that. If they, if they want to take a little trip, probably mostly road trips. These aren't people who are going to Europe and things like that. Their standard bills, like, you know, electricity, heat, whatever, say 300 bucks a month. And then I'm going to put in like an $800 slush fund between the parents and the kids of just random stuff, clothes, whatever they need. And that totals up to $31,800. Okay. So between those expenses, the delta between that, the money they earn and their 401k match, they have right at $20,000 a year to invest in total. That's including that match. Now, looking at that, I'm going to say that their goal is to have $2,250 a month coming in because their expenses were $2,650 a month. Now, why the difference? Because this is going to take them a while to retire. And by the time they retire, they're not going to have their kids' miscellaneous clothes and stuff part. So their expenses are actually going to drop by the time they retire. And so I'm saying that they need $675,000 in a nest egg just with that 4% rule to retire. And that would take 18 years. Uh, the other thing is they could just, you know, with that compounding interest, just working two more years, like if that feels tight, they could raise that amount that they've got to spend up to $3,000 a month to give them a nice little cushion. So that was scenario number one for me, Cody. Yeah, what I like about this scenario, Justin, is like you said, it hits close to home. You know all these numbers like the back of your hand. And I think this is a completely reasonable scenario. And we might have listeners out there who are in a very similar scenario. And I think I mentioned at the very beginning we're assuming that income is really not moving, or at least it's moving at the same pace that expenses are. But for someone like this, where the journey is taking them 18 years, you can definitely imagine that, especially if it's someone in the FI community, someone who's being really conscious. They've, you know, this person's already bought their house in 2015. So that mortgage is a fixed expense. They don't have a car payment. I can't imagine they're going to pick up a car payment somewhere along the way. And I just can't imagine their lifestyle inflating too, too much. Of course, groceries might go up, gas might go up entertainment might go up with inflation, but this person's earning power is probably going to increase substantially in that 18 year period. So I am super bullish on this person. I think they're going to absolutely crush it if they're you know already investing this much. And I actually think they could probably do it in under 18 years. All right. So I have someone who is going to take a very similar amount of time to hit their financial independence number, Justin, but let's see if you think they can do it faster as well. So my avatar here is single income, no kids. They're living in a high cost of living area. I chose California. 
they're a computer engineer. They're making 100K at their main job, but then they also have this side hustle building websites and they take in about $30,000 every year from that side hustle. Now, the key thing is this is someone, again, they're single income, they're no kids. This is someone I imagine they're maybe in their 20s. They're, you know, they're living alone. They have extra time. So, you know, in the scenario you just talked about, Justin, that person's probably going home and spending quality time with their family. In this scenario, I mean, this person's probably spending quality time with friends, hopefully as well, but they probably have more spare time on their hands. Hence the $30,000 side hustle building websites using their skills that they've acquired as a computer engineer. So I assume this person living out in Cali, their total expenses are 80 grand per year. And I'm using annual numbers here. So their rent is 30K per year, car at 10K per year, groceries at 10K, eating out and going out 15K, travel at 10K, and then that miscellaneous category that we always forget about, about 5K per year. So that makes up their $80,000 of expenses. Now, this person's investment strategy, I left out real estate because I thought that is a difficult market for people who want to stay local and who are in California. And this person just going straight stocks, stocks only. They're just investing every single month in index funds. And when I say this person is only investing in stocks, that is also including their primary residence. So since they're in California, like I mentioned, housing prices are insane if you're trying to buy local. So this person is renting at $2,500 per month, which comes out to that 30K per year rent number I mentioned before. Now, with that gap between their income and their expenses, again, they're making 100K in their main job. They're making 30K side hustling, building websites. I'm going to call those after tax just for ease of math. They're spending $80,000 per year. So they have $50,000 per year to do whatever they'd like. And in this case, they are just straight investing in the stock market, throwing their money into index funds. So this person is investing 50K every single year. And so using the nifty 4% rule in 19 years, they'll reach 2.08 million and they will be five per the 4% rule. Now, here's a fun caveat that I wanted to mention in 14 years, this person could quit their main job and just persist on that $30,000 per year side hustle. They could literally just kind of coast fi or lean fi or barista fi or whatever terminology you want to use. They could quit that main job if that's a priority for them. If they are you know, sick of their boss or they just want to do digital nomading and maybe they can't with that main job, they could just do the side hustle at 14 years in. And to take it even one step farther, this person, if they wanted to eventually move out of California and move to a lower cost of living city, they want to maybe buy a place. There's a lot of ways where they could lower expenses in theory, but it's fine if they're in California. With this journey, they're still going to be retiring in 19 or 14 years, depending on their journey. But I just like the idea, I like toying with the idea that if they wanted to move, even if maybe they had an employer that was okay with remote work, or they wanted to just go all in on their side hustle and lower their expenses and move to a lower cost of living city, they could hit five even sooner than that 19 or 14 years. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. Cody, for me, a couple things that jump out is one, it's kind of interesting that we just went over someone from like North Mississippi, a family of four, living that lifestyle. Now we're looking at someone who makes way more money, single person, but the timeline it takes them to get to retirement is actually eerily similar. And I think that's just, just that power of the expenses and like how much that can hold you back because this person is spending even outside of rent and a new car, spending $40,000 outside of that. So that just shows you, you know, you take that number and really draw down on it. And like you said, they could probably move them. I mean, if you're a computer engineer living in California at this day and age, there's probably no reason why you actually need to live in California. Obviously, that's like a luxury that this person may want to have and they can't afford, but they could move somewhere else if they really wanted to shrink that timeline down. But overall, I mean, to me, this sounds like a very realistic scenario. And I just kind of think that's crazy that we we both did this kind of in a vacuum. We didn't work on this together. And we ended up with two people with completely different backgrounds with a almost exactly the same runway to get to retirement. So for my next scenario, I'm kind of moving up like one little tier. If we're talking about maybe the economic class here, we're talking about somebody maybe in a a little bit larger town, but not a crazy high cost living town. In my mind, I was thinking about something like St. Louis. I've got a friend who's moving just outside of St. Louis soon. That was kind of top of mind. I'm saying that there are kids in the picture, but both parents work. One is a teacher and one is a mechanical engineer. I'm saying the teacher makes 50000 and the mechanical engineer makes 100000 I actually did both pre-tax because, I don't know, I'm a nerd with numbers and I just kind of wanted to play around with it. And I'm saying they've got six k worth of 401k match coming in. So if you take that combined pre-tax of 150000 their take-home should be just over 100000 like 102000 But to make this interesting, I also wanted to add in, these are people who are both using the stock market and rental properties. Now, this isn't someone like maybe we featured on the show before who's building a 20 house portfolio or has some big real estate business or flipping or any of that. This is to me something much more close to a lot of people who are probably listening or people that you know, or maybe they have two rental properties and each one of those are cash flow on $300 each. Nothing crazy, something very manageable on their own. So between their after-tax dollars, their 401k match, and these rental property incomes, they're looking at like $115,000 a year of total income, if you will, even though I know 401k match, maybe not, but you know, to your bank account, it doesn't know the difference. And now kind of taking a step into their expenses. These expenses are going to be you know, a good bit higher than the person in Mississippi's. I'm going to say one of the people do have a car payment, a modest car payment, $400 a month. I'm going to say that they bought a house a few years ago at, at $225,000. And that's coming out to a, a mortgage of, of $1,530. I'm using that same like 3.8% interest rate. Like if you bought in the last couple of years, obviously buying today could be different. I kept gas at 150, groceries, 425. You know, I think for three people, that's reasonable. Bump their entertainment up a little bit. You know, they're in a, a, a little bit larger city, probably a little more going on. So I'm saying $600 a month on entertainment. $300 on dining out, $300 on bills, and then another, same like we did with the person from Mississippi, just throwing $800 in there a month for kind of that slush fund of random things that are going on, clothes, what have you. We all love Amazon, so there's always little sneaky dollars going out the door. 
that brings you up to $4,500 a month or $54,000 a year. So now when we look at it, the other interesting thing is, again, these rental properties, they, they make the calculations a little different. You can't just now look at their income per year and their expenses per year because you have this steady cash flow. It's going to keep coming even if they retire. So what they need to retire if they're spending $4,500 a month, I'm saying is that $4,500 minus $600, which you're getting in cash flow from those rental properties, and minus $400 in the form of a car payment. Now, the reason I did that is I think it's a, a thing a lot of people overlook when they're getting ready to run their numbers for retirement is these things, these these either one-off or short expenses. Like if you're spending $400 a month on a car payment and you try to like reverse engineer that to a 4% rule, it's going to give you a number much higher than if you just paid the car off. So it's not really fair to yourself. Same thing if you're like saving up so much money a month for you know a child's college education. You don't need that money coming in every month for the rest of your life. It would be much cheaper you know, to just pay for it than save up enough money to 4% rule it. So that's the reason why I brought the $400 off. So now you're looking at $3,500 that you need to be able to get from your nest egg. So that's going to come out to right at 11 years. And that's $3,500 from stocks a month, $600 from real estate, which gets them to $4,100 a month. Now, remember, you know, I, might have, I said earlier, like their expenses are $4,500, but because I'm removing that $400 from a car payment, that gets them right there where they need to be in 11 years. The one thing that's really cool with this scenario, Justin, and I'm going to cover it in one of my future scenarios, is that $600 a month from the real estate. And you can see how quickly this can scale. If this couple, if this dual income couple were to deploy some of those funds toward other rental properties, maybe in the future, maybe they could bump that number up to 1000 or 1200 or 1500 a month. That could drastically accelerate how long it's going to take them to hit financial independence through my favorite method, which is cash flow fi. So I love that you threw real estate into this scenario because it just shows people how powerful having that recurring monthly income really is. All right. So my next scenario is also a dual income couple. They have two kids and they're in a medium cost of living area. So I'm picturing like in Orlando. That's what I had in my head when I mapped out this scenario. So those are what I'm going to base my numbers off of. So these two people, these this couple, are business owners. And this could be any business that your mind could possibly imagine. For those listening, I want this to resonate with you no matter what that business is. You could own a laundromat. You could have a business doing social media consulting. You could have a business that owns moon bounces. I don't care what the business is, but this couple works together in the business and they're earning $100,000 in net profit and in income after taxes, everything. We're just using that $100,000 in clean income. So this couple's annual expenses come out to $50,000. And again, I'm not quite as granular as Justin. I guess this shows our personality types. I'm just going to use annual figures here. Their mortgage is 15K for the year, and which is pretty average for a home in Orlando bought in the last couple of years and not a super expensive area, just a nice modest home for four people. Their annual car miscellaneous costs are 2K, which is just like repairs and insurance and any other things that might come up. Groceries, 8K, eating out, 6K. Child care, 9K per year, because again, these people are both working in their business. I'm assuming that maybe they don't have family down there. Maybe they moved to Orlando because it's a fun city to live in. And so they're paying $800 per month in child care. They're spending about 5K on travel and that you know, lovely miscellaneous category, another 5K for the year. So all in, that adds up to $50,000 in expenses. Now, their investment strategy is a bit different than all the other ones we're going to talk about today. They're doing a mixture of stocks and then investing back into their business. So again, think of any business that you could possibly own and these people own it just for sake of example. 
So every single year, they have $50,000 extra to invest. Again, their take-home pay after taxes, after everything is $100,000 between them. Their expenses are 50K even. And every year, they're investing 25 grand into the stock market, and then they're reinvesting another the other 25 grand, the other half of that 50, back into their business. This could be for infrastructure. It could be for new hires. It could be for new systems. But regardless of what they're doing with the money, they're reinvesting back into their business and building it out and scaling it and trying to make it something that's hands-off. Maybe they're hiring employees under them so they no longer have to take the consultation calls or you know, maybe they're plumbers and they were doing the work themselves, but now they have people working under them and they're just taking the difference between what they're billing people and what they're paying their employees. Any combination of any of those things I just said. So they're building this business and every single year, their monthly profit, their hands-off monthly profit, I should say, is increasing by $500. So they're trying to build, basically, again, they're scaling this business so they can have a portion of this business being passive. So after year seven, again, they're investing 25K into the stock market every year. They're investing back into their business and basically bringing in $500 in monthly profit. And then that increases by 500 every single year. So year two, $1,000 monthly profit. Year three, $1,500 in monthly profit. Again, this is hands-off monthly profit. After year seven, this couple now has 265K in the stock market and 40K in recurring annual hands-off profit. So at this point, given their current expenses, again, assuming that everything is just kind of moving with inflation, assuming the expenses that they had from the beginning, they are financially independent at year seven. They can live off the combination of what they have invested in the stock market and what they're making with their hands off the passive part of whatever business they're building. And so at that point, they have a decision to make. They can you know, choose to keep that business and maintain it and just you know, let things ride, keep them at current levels, keep investing if they want, or they can continue to grow and scale. The sky is the limit for this couple. But what I really like about this is to get people, and I know I I really hammered this home and I've been talking about it a lot on social media, to think with scale in mind and how you can leverage your existing assets, your time, your energy, your money to build these systems, to build these things are going to pay you in perpetuity into the future. So this couple did exactly that. They took their skills and now they're making, you know, 40K and recurring annual profit every single year after year seven and have over 250 in the stock market. Yeah, Cody, I'm glad you put something in here where you talk about just like building your own business, not just real estate, but something that's got that passive income flow that is yours that you can kind of control. And it also shows like when you said, like, if you think about it with a scale in mind, like that you can go a lot faster with something like that than you can brute force saving, especially in this person's scenario. I mean, they this family has $50,000 a a year that they could invest into something. And if they were investing it only in the stock market versus their business, they would definitely not be adding, you know, $6,000 a year towards their like income that they could have for retirement. But by having this passive income cash flow that's coming in every year, like that, that just completely changes the math. Obviously, that's the cool thing I think about this episode. Not everyone's going to start a business, but not everyone is, you know, going to just have their normal W-2. Not everyone. We're going to cover every scenario here. So that's another great scenario. Now for the final scenario that I'm going to cover is going to be a little closer to kind of myself. I'm looking, this is dual income, tech kind of jobs, no kids, high cost of living city, not really skimping on anything that they want to do. And so when I'm looking at this, I'm saying that combined, these two people make $330,000 a year and the take home is is $226,000 a year. Throw in some of that 401k money. Just keep harping on that because don't want the listeners to forget. 
And so that brings you up to like $235,000 a year that you got to play with. Now kind of digging into their expenses. I want to say this person like myself has an expensive car payment. So it's a $700 car payment. I put that they were renting just because I'd had two others that were owning a home. I put it at $2,900. Like they want to live in a, like a really nice place, maybe downtown. Still went with that $150 a month on gas, went with $200 a month on groceries, which is more realistic to myself. I bumped up their entertainment budget by more than anyone else, even though this is the only two people. So it's actually the smallest household. But again, you're living in this higher cost of living city. You've got good incomes. You can imagine these people want to go out and spend money on things that really make them happy and just have a good time. So I put $700 a month on entertainment and $400 a month on eating out. And then I threw in $400 for just kind of like your standard bills. And then also a little bit higher per person on this miscellaneous part. Because again, you know, they, they have high incomes. If they see something they want, like a new tool, a new thing for the house, like they're just going to buy it. It's not going to be somebody who necessarily just like waiting and like, you know, putting things on their Christmas list and not buying them that thing they want. They're just, if they see something they need and they want, they're just going to buy it. So that miscellaneous category is a little higher at $600 a month. When you add all that up, you're looking at $6,000 a month of expenses, which would come out to $72,000 a year. And so again, this person is brute forcing. They're just doing stock market. They don't have uh, cash flow coming from any other sources. So that would mean that they're going to need $1.8 million as a couple to retire to get that $6,000 a month. They're able to invest basically $163,000 a year into their investments because although they are spending a decent amount, they're making a lot. And because they're not starting a business or anything else, like that's all going into the stock market. And with that at an 8% return, you're looking at right at eight years to retire. So that's going to get you right right about that $1.8 million mark. And that gives them that $6,000 a month that they can spend. And I think the interesting thing here is, you know, you're looking at something like rent being $2,900. Obviously, when they get ready to pull the trigger and retire, and if they're traveling and doing geo-arbitrage, or we've had people on the show who are doing things like house sitting. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways that this could be reduced and mainly on that housing expense. I mean, you're carrying a really high housing expense, but the positive thing about planning that way is you kind of got the worst case scenario covered. Like if you've got $2,900 you can spend on housing a month, plus nothing else is really skimping by and you still have enough money to retire, then that means you've got a lot of insurance kind of built in. Like you can pull that lever, you can move to a lower cost living area, you could buy a property, you could buy a duplex, you could move to a different country. There's a lot of things you could do to reduce that. So that's one thing I think is neat about this scenario is that it's still really fast. It has a lot of wiggle room built in there and it's not an outrageous scenario. This is not somebody who created something, invented something, and it's extremely passive and it's still right at that eight year mark. Yeah. I mean, what strikes me about this scenario is like you said, in a high cost of living area, having a couple that brings home 150K each and they're in their late 20s or early 30s, that's not unheard of in finance and tech and sales. There's actually quite a few roles. I know of quite a few people personally, and I'm not in a high cost of living area in central Massachusetts who are taking home that kind of money in their mid to late 20s. So I don't think that on the income front, this is outlandish at all. Although it might sound like a lot of money to some people, I'm sure we have listeners in those exact same shoes. And also another thing I loved that you mentioned, Justin, I actually saw someone tweet earlier that nobody ever got rich investing in index funds and having a nine to five job. 
And I was just like, that is the most outrageous assumption ever. And this scenario is a perfect example of that. You're retiring in eight years in this scenario. And you know that is a fifth of what the average person is working. So you can absolutely get rich and retire early if you're just straight up investing in index funds and having a nine to five job. Like Justin said, you don't have to invest in real estate. You don't have to invent the next new thing. You don't have to have a seven figure business. I know obviously Justin and I feature a lot of flashy stories in the Fi show because you know they're cool people to talk to and it's really interesting to pick their brains, but you don't have to follow in their footsteps. There are plenty of ways to do this whole financial independence thing. And this is just another example of someone who's crushing it, just quote unquote, having a normal job. All right, so my last scenario was inspired by our good friends, James and Emily. We just were hanging out with all of them, Justin, for Leslie's birthday back in July. And they were also on episode 36, if you guys want to go check that one out. So this doesn't mirror their story exactly, but a lot of the numbers are similar, the location is similar, all that stuff. So it's dual income, no kids in a low cost of living area. Occupations, I actually stole this from James and Emily, an engineer and a middle manager, Together with those two jobs, they're bringing in $120,000 after tax. Their expenses are just around 30K per year, which consists of 5K in annual miscellaneous housing expenses. So we'll get to the housing situation, but they're house hacking. So they're, they might have, maybe they have a renter, maybe they have someone on the other side of their duplex, but it's not quite covering everything. And you know they're still paying some stuff out of pocket, maybe some repairs, whatever those costs might be. They have 1K in miscellaneous car costs per year. So again, that's just like there's gas or repairs or insurance. Groceries are coming out to 4K per year. Eating out is coming out to 5K per year. Travel is a bigger budget item. And this was with James and Emily in mind as well at 10K per year. And then other miscellaneous expenses I had at 6K per year, which brings us all together at the $30,000 number I just mentioned. Now, again, I'm using James Emily as an example. We're going to use Huntsville, Alabama as the location. The investment strategy is real estate only. So we're not even putting any money into the stock market. We're just going straight up real estate and we're going to see how this shakes out. And again, with the housing situation, we're house hacking. This could be a duplex. This could be you're buying a single family and you're renting out the rooms, whatever you feel comfortable with if you want to emulate this scenario. All right, so starting from zero, let's pretend this couple wants to just buy a property. They want to buy a duplex. And the cool thing about that is since they're going to be occupying that property, they need somewhere to live. It's a house hack. So they can actually put just 3.5% down using an FHA loan. So if they're buying a property that's say $100,000 in a really low cost of living market, they can invest with like 5K, 6K all in and get that investment property. Now, just for ease and convenience and for math's sake, I'm going to assume that we're just buying all duplexes in this scenario. Again, house hacks could be a triplex, a quadruplex. It could just be a single family. It could be a mother-in-law suite. There's so many different scenarios, but let's just assume they're all duplexes for the scenario and every single duplex in totality is bringing in $600 in net cash flow per month. So that's after all expenses are said and done. So again, they buy that first duplex, they can buy it for around five or 6K. And again, they have a huge gap between their income and their expenses. So that's nothing to them. So they get that first property and now they're like, okay, we're hungry. We're already making $600 in monthly cash flow from this duplex. If you listened to the scenario earlier, you saw just how powerful $600 a month is $7,200 a year. 
So this couple's like, all right, we want to multiply those results. Let's do it again. And so they just keep buying these properties, you know, around the $100,000 mark, which if that sounds crazy to you, if you're, you know, like scenario two, where you're in California, of course, you're not going to see $100,000 properties, but there's actually still $100,000 properties in markets like Alabama. Justin, I'm sure you can attest Mississippi. I've seen in Ohio, in the Midwest, there are still these duplexes for $100,000 that might need a little bit of work, but some of them are you know, okay to live in and they cash flow really nice. Although I don't want anyone listening to just go and scoop up a ton of properties in those markets with lower prices, with less gentrification, with less jobs comes a bigger risk. So, you know, this did pan out really well for the people in this scenario, which again are based off James and Emily, who we've had on episode 36, but just please be cautious. But so in this scenario, their expenses are $30,000 per year. If they get five duplexes, that's $3,000 per month times 12 is $36,000 per year. So just after five duplexes, this couple can quote unquote cash flow retire. The income that they're getting from their properties is now exceeding their monthly expenses. Now, what I recommend that the second that your real estate replaces your monthly expenses, you up and quit your job. No, because you never know. You could have a boiler go out and you might need a new roof. Real estate is unpredictable, but over the long term and with enough properties, you can usually gauge, and that's why I'm using the $600 per month average, you can usually gauge what your cash flow is going to look like. So like I mentioned before, just to bring the math all together here, this couple is making $120,000 combined per year. This is after tax and everything. Their expenses are $30,000. They have $90,000 to play with. They buy that first property for almost nothing, like five k. They need to buy just four more properties to hit this you know, five number, although I'd recommend being more conservative and maybe getting a couple more properties. But with 90K per year in disposable income, and I guess I should say investable income, this couple can retire in a year and a half, just buying duplex after duplex after duplex after duplex once they save up 25%. I'm just assuming they're staying in that first duplex, so that's the only one they can use the FHA loan in, and the other ones they're you know buying for around $100,000, putting $25,000 down a year and a half. And if that sounds super outlandish, it's been done, it's been documented. And it's just honestly one of the fastest ways I've ever seen people get defied. Now, I will say you are using leverage in these scenarios. So you do have monthly mortgage payments. And that's the reason why this method is faster than stocks. But with any great reward comes increased risk. So you know, if there was some crazy market downturn, or for some reason, you couldn't get all your properties filled or any assortment of different factors that could pose a risk to your plan. So again, I just want to I want people to be cautious, because obviously, this sounds like the flashiest story ever. Oh, my gosh, I hit five in a year and a half. Yes, it's possible might not be possible for everyone. But that's why we're laying out these scenarios. Like you said, Cody, a year and a half can seem outlandish. But we know James and Emily, we've heard them go through their story. We see them like this is not something that's just made up. This is something that they did. It is something where timing worked out really perfectly for them. Like they got in Huntsville before Huntsville really blew up. And it's not necessarily extremely easily repeatable, but it has happened. And that is the cool thing about these scenarios is that we've kind of covered everything. We've covered a family with a single income in a small town. We've covered two people making really good money with no kids. We've covered one person making decent money in a really high cost of living city. We've covered business owners. We've covered people with real estate. We've really tried our best to cover most of every scenario that you're likely to run into. And the crazy thing is, out of all of them, none of them even took 20 years. Even the worst case scenario didn't take 20 years. And that's so much less than most people work. So I hope that can be a point of inspiration that no matter which path you are on and which one kind of resonates with you, the math says you should be able to do it in less than 20 years. 
All right. Well, I think that covers it all, Justin. That was super fun to go through those six different scenarios. Like you said, hopefully one of those characters that Justin and I created, you could resonate with. Maybe you're in one of those similar cities. You have a similar job or just something stuck with you. And Justin and I were actually toying with the idea of featuring listener stories so people can get like real numbers. You send in, this is what I spend every month on housing and food and transportation and miscellaneous and travel. And then we just kind of run through your numbers and kind of showcase your own journey to Fi to inspire others who listen to the Fi show and to show people what is possible. So if you are interested in that, definitely reach out to us on our website or you can hit us up on our email at contact at the show.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if people really enjoyed this episode and they want more episodes like this, we really welcome you to come and share your stories. And you know, we'd love to be the platform to show other people what is possible, whether it's taking you 25 years to hit five or two years or anywhere in between. It doesn't matter to us. We're just here to showcase awesome stories. That's why we started this podcast in the first place. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this with a friend. And also, don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way, every Wednesday, you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.